So you get indicted for a third time and you ask for one more. This is the ultimate, the best reaction to any indictment in the history of indictments. President Trump's truth social this morning. I need one more indictment to ensure my election. He's onto something. Look, this is not working out for the federal government, for the uh, local prosecutors, everybody trying to take Donald Trump down. It's blowing up in their face. Uh, today was wild, though. Another wild day. We've seen this, what, three, four times now. Uh, the plane ride, the security, the crowds, uh, the judge, the plea. And we're not shocked anymore. I'm kind of amused. Um, I'm also saddened, but I got to get through this. We got to get through this, okay? And we will. I know we will. I have a theory, though. You know who's a little bit jealous? Joe Biden. Morning, Mr. President. Good morning, Mr. President. Morning. How are you doing? Briefed on Niger. Will you talk to us on your way back, Mr. President? Think about it. <laughs> A grown man riding a bike on a weekday, and he's the president of the United States. I understand why he doesn't want to talk to the press, though. Yeah, they're going to want to talk about Trump, but they're probably going to have to ask about Devin Archer. They're going to have to ask about Hunter. They're going to have to ask about, well, <laughs> all the lies he's been telling us for so many years. Uh, Devin Archer, we have the transcript today, didn't receive enough uh, attention because of, well, the Trump indictment. But he sat down with congressional investigators earlier this week, and uh, we have it. We have it all from him, the stuff that he was doing with Hunter Biden. Is it illegal? Probably. If it's not, it's really, really sleazy. All right. What Hunter was up to. I think this guy may have been trying to do the right thing. We'll have more on that later. We do know this, though. 20 times random businessmen, oligarchs and the rest. Um, talk to Joe Biden on the phone about the weather as they were doing business with Hunter. That's kind of crazy, right? We're going to get the whole uh, story. Ultimately, I think let's find out more about the 17 million dollars that came from Ukraine to the Bidens and Biden family associates. And well, Biden grandchildren, <laughs> Biden grandchildren. <laughs> this has all been documented. And well, uh, that's one of the reasons why we're never going to hear from Joe Biden again. He cannot go before uh, the media who are growing more and more skeptical. Now they're they're getting embarrassed. They're embarrassed by the situation. I mean, they've let him off the hook for so many years. Now they're angry. Maybe they want payback. But look at the score right now. It may look like well, things are really bad for Donald Trump and Joe Biden is sitting pretty. It's not that way. It's actually the opposite. Look at Joe on vacation. <laughs> is this any is this any kind of behavior for a commander in chief? It's from the Daily Mail. This is a real picture of President Joe Biden today on the beach. It's insane. <laughs> Who's more presidential, this guy or our guy? Well, thank you very much. This is a very sad day for America. And it was also very sad driving through Washington, D.C. and seeing the filth and the decay and all of the broken buildings and walls and the graffiti. This is not the place that I left. It's a very sad thing to see it. Uh, when you look at what's happening, this is a persecution of a political opponent. This was never supposed to happen in America. This is the persecution of the person that's leading by very, very substantial numbers in the Republican primary and 
leading Biden by a lot. So if you can't beat him, you persecute him or you prosecute him. We can't let this happen in America. Thank you very you much. Want these, like, you want these trials to happen before the 2024 election? Cool. Trump umbrella. So look at that. In charge, in command. Just got indicted for a third time. Who's more presidential, President Trump or Joe Biden, right? Who would you rather be right now, actually? Think about it that way. Joe is not going to go near microphones going forward, and I think his political life is coming to an end. It's unthinkable that Joe Biden could come on, say, Newsmax or Fox News, say for a town hall similar to the CNN town hall that Donald Trump went through. CNN is a hostile network. Donald Trump stayed there for an hour and a half and owned the place. Joe could not do that. And one of the main reasons, really, it's Joe's own fault, because he was so emphatic about being Mr. Integrity. Do you remember? He, he lied to us. You know who I am. You know who he is. You know his character. You know my character. You know our reputations for honor and telling the truth. I am anxious to have this race. I am anxious to see this take place. I am the character of the country is on the ballot. Our character is on the ballot. Look at us closely. Yeah, we can look at you very closely. You're not anxious to have that conversation now. <laughs> you can't. You had these vulnerabilities back then, but now they're completely exposed, and we're finding out more. Uh, you can't take the heat. Actually, here's proof that you can't take the heat. Pointed questions aimed at Donald Trump compared to pointed questions aimed at Joe Biden. Watch what happens. We did nothing wrong. This is a whole hoax. This is just like the Russia, Russia, Russia deal. This is like the fake dossier. But here's what I know. I know Trump deserves to be investigated. He is violating every basic norm of a president. You should be asking him the question. Why did you take those documents with you when you left the White I House? I had every right to under the Presidential Records Act. You have the Presidential Records Act. I was there and I took what I took and it gets declassified. That's not true. You're saying things you do not know what you're talking about. No one said that. Who said that? All I know is this. Everything I did was right. We have the Presidential Records Act, which I abided by 100 percent. I have the right to declassify as president. Were you involved? Were no, you involved? I I Were you? No. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's it's it says a lot so much. Uh, I think Donald Trump is going to be fine. I'm actually worried uh, about us. OK, really. They're coming for us. As Donald Trump said in, a, in another statement today, if these illegal persecutions succeed, if, they, if they're allowed to set fire to the law, then it will not stop with me. Their grip will close even tighter around you, around you and me. It's not just my freedom on the line, but yours as well. And I will never let them take it from you. What a message. You know, they are taking shots at us, big and small. I saw some little sniping today. Uh, you notice security was intense. And part of that is obviously expected. You're bringing a, um, you know, former president to downtown Washington, D.C. But some of it was a little bit over the top, trying to harken back to January 6th and that kind of stuff. Big barricades around the Capitol and the media hyperventilating about it all. We can tell you security at the federal courthouse where Trump will appear in just a few hours is tighter than ever. Security has been ramping up in D.C. Massive security preparations for Trump's arraignment. By the security perimeter, you have showed this is not going to be just another mundane day in federal court. 
you know, the underlying message here is uh, they have to be afraid of MAGA, extreme MAGA, and what they might do. Because after all, we're just a bunch of, um, what did Hillary call us again? You put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. <laughs> Whatever happened to her anyway, huh? Just where, where is she these days? Why would she want to be president of a country that had such xenophobia and homophobia and all the other phobias? Anyway, uh, you know what's going to do uh, Joe Biden and Hunter in? What already has, actually? Arrogance. Oh, boy, they think they are all that. Uh, and a bag of chips, as they say. Take a look at this text message to Devin Archer from Hunter. Every great family is persecuted, prosecuted in the U.S. You are part of a great family, Hunter Biden writes to Devin Archer. Bidens are different, and you are a Biden. It's the price of power, and the people questioning you truly have none. I thought the I thought it was about public service. Didn't Joe Biden go, is politics supposed to be about public service? No, it's about hookups for Hunter and beach houses and Corvettes and the rest, right? That's what it's really about. And it's quite frankly, not just the Bidens. It's DC, it's Washington. It's so much of America. The Bushes, that's an elite family, right? Father's a president, son's a president, another son's a governor. Millionaires all. Hmm? So when George W. Bush, before he bought the Texas Rangers, before he was a governor, he was a little bit like Hunter. And this is what's actually tolerated and has been tolerated for a very long time in the swamp. This is astonishing what he's about to say. When you're the president's son and you've got unlimited access combined with some credentials from a prior campaign, in Washington, D.C., people tend to respect that. I mean, access is power. And uh, I can find my dad and talk to him any time of the day. Wow, huh? So this has been going on for a, a long time. Uh, I wonder if Bill Barr, who was the attorney general at the time, um, if that caught his attention. Now, this is the way the swamp operates. And what is going on with Bill Barr? He shows up on every cable news show on CNN last night. He was there for about an hour. All droopy and weird. I mean, it was like he worked there and he made news because he said, what did he say? He, Trump makes him nauseous. Trump knows he lost the election. Trump is lying. Trump, 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 Trump. All these bad things. But at one point, uh, he said something that, well, he really should do something about and should have done something about when he was attorney general. You just mentioned earlier that you don't believe in the weaponization of the Justice Department. That's something we often hear from members of Congress who are loyal to him after he gets indicted in these cases. I mean, does that undermine depart trust in the department that you used to lead? What does what undermine it? When Republicans come out and say, you know, this is a two-tiered justice system. No, I mean, I, I do think, I, you know, I, I do think that there is a double standard. I, I think it's sometimes... I think that the department tends to go far more aggressively after Republican or allegations of Republican wrongdoing than, than Democrat. And I've seen it myself. I've lived through it. I've seen it. Now, it's, it's not as pervasive as is represented. 
Uh, and, uh, you know, I, it's not automatic. And I, th and I think there's still many, many great prosecutors in the department who can check their politics and be fair to whoever it is, regardless of their politics. But I do think that there's some political actors in the department. And I'm glad that Chairman Comer is conducting his investigation. Wow. Far more aggressively against against Republicans than Democrats. A double standard. He's acknowledging that. And the one guy who wants to fix it is Donald Trump. That's wild. What happened to Bill Barr? I do think he lost his soul. Uh, I remember this Bill Barr. So far, we haven't seen widespread fraud. But so far, we haven't tried it. Well, and the point there's is that a lot of us... Uh, there are several states that only have mail-in voting, including a Republican well, state. Well, this like is playing Utah. with fire. This is playing with fire. We're a very closely divided country here. And if people have to have confidence in the results of the election and the legitimacy of the government, and people trying to change the rules to this, to this methodology, which, as a matter of logic, is very open to fraud and coercion, is reckless and dangerous, and the people are playing with fire. As a matter of logic, open to fraud and coercion, as a matter of logic. But then the election happened, and being a member of the swamp, the droopy Bill Barr took over, and he just went with the flow. That's what I think happened. Anyway, so Joe Biden on his bike. We have to point this out. All of this that's happening against Donald Trump, it really was initiated by the top, by him, maybe Barack Obama told him. But this statement that he made last fall, this might be grounds for impeachment. Who knows? Take a look. We just have to demonstrate that he will not take power um, by uh, if we uh, if he does run, uh, making sure he uh, under the legitimate efforts of uh, our Constitution does not become the next president again. What? What? What if he gets the nomination? What if more Republicans vote for him and make him the nominee? What if more Americans vote for him? They're going to take him out. He said it out loud. And of course, the media ignored that. In fact, they give him credit. They give him credit for not talking about Donald Trump. This comes as the White House and President Biden's reelection campaign have been declining to comment on the indictment. We got no comments, both from the White House referring questions to the Justice Department, as well as Biden's campaign saying they were simply not going to comment at all. Mr. President, will you, you be following the arraignment today, sir? No. Yeah, they don't have to say anything. Everybody knows what to do. And they are doing it. But Barack Obama, there's the Obama factor. What does he make of all this? Look at that meeting they had a while back. What is Obama? Because I do believe Obama is kind of running the show right now. Uh, you can see it when they get together at the White House. Do you remember this? The whole room gravitated around ex-President Obama. And uh, I almost felt sorry for Joe. Look at me. Can you please come over here for a second? I want you to meet these people. <laughs> it was bad. Show me the still picture here. This captures a lot, right? Oh, he's even getting annoyed. So... Obama's in charge. We understand that. And he's always had grave doubts about Joe. And you know what he's thinking? Michelle. Michelle's going to be the nominee. I really believe that. This is the proof, though. The proof is in the eyes more than what he says, that he's running the show. Take a look. If I could make an arrangement where um, I had a, I had a, a stand-in, a front man, or front woman, and, and they had an earpiece in, and I was just in my basement in my sweats mm -hmm. looking through the stuff, and then I could sort of deliver the lines, but somebody else was 
uh, doing all the talking and ceremony. Wow. I, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, I bet you would. But what about America? What about democracy? Huh? Look at the eyes. He is bragging, bragging. And I do think they're getting Michelle ready. It's going to be her. That's the one they want. And at the right time, Joe gets the hook and Michelle will be the nominee. Write it down. When we come back, a great lawyer who is standing by Donald Trump today, his defense counsel, his name is John Lauro. Very talented, new to the Trump team. He'll be with us next. He was in court today with Donald Trump. Courtroom sketch of President Trump in federal court today. You know how I feel about this whole thing. It is a travesty. It is ludicrous. Uh, but something to be optimistic about. Number one, I think he's going to win because he wins all the time. And you know what? He's got a great lawyer by his side. You see that man to the right of President Trump? That is John Lauro. John Lauro is a great attorney. Maybe you've caught him on TV. He's been making the rounds, making the case for President Trump, and he joins us right now here on Newsmax. John Lauro, uh, welcome to the show, sir. How are you? Good evening. Good evening. What was that like today? I'm doing, was... I'm doing good, but more importantly, the president is pumped. He's ready to go forward, and uh, we're going to win this case, I can tell you that. Excellent, excellent. So, uh, was it bizarre? Was it routine? Was it surreal? I mean, uh, it's the third time now, but what was that like for you and for him today? All of the above. I've been practicing law 40 years. I could have never imagined walking with a president of the United States into a courtroom when he's been charged criminally by the Justice Department of his political opponent in the middle of a campaign, only for doing one thing, for using his First Amendment rights and speaking out on election issues while he was in office three and a half, four years ago. So this is really uh, an unprecedented act. It's an effort to really uh, uh, squelch political speech. It's an effort to attack Mr. Trump, but also his supporters as well, because the reality is that during that election cycle, President Trump was receiving all kinds of information about voter irregularities. And is the Biden administration saying that all of those people who came forward were part of some massive conspiracy to defraud the government? So we have a real problem here. And the, the other issue, which I'm very concerned about, is that the Biden administration wants to railroad a trial in two or three months, even though they've had two or three years to get ready for this case, and they want to deny President Trump his due process rights, that's just not right. So I heard you say that you could see a trial taking nine months, maybe a year. So obviously, you're going to have to get this trial somehow to happen after the election and maybe get it thrown out beforehand, right? I mean, is that that's the goal here? You can't do this during the campaign. All we want is a fair and just process. We have to look through documents and documents and documents, maybe hundreds of thousands of electronic and hard copy documents. We have to interview witnesses. There may be 150, 200 witnesses that need to be interviewed. We also have to get our own witnesses lined up for trial. This is a massive undertaking. I've been practicing law for a long time. I've had four, five, six-month trials. Usually, in that circumstance, you get two or three years to prepare. But all of a sudden, the government wants to bring this case to trial in a couple of months. I wonder why. 
I'm, I'm really thinking hard about the reason. Can, can you come up with a reason for me? <laughs> Let's see if we can uh, untangle this riddle. Huh? How about that? Well, actually, you know, the president yeah. of the United States might be able to give us an answer. I want to uh, play this clip. It's from a few months ago, but I think the answer is right here. Go ahead. We just have to demonstrate that he will not take power um, by uh, if we uh, if he does run, uh, making sure he uh, under the legitimate efforts of uh, our Constitution, does not become the next president again. I mean, that is... Uh, <laughs> what about the people? He seems to be giving a signal, if not an outright explicit instruction, to his Justice Department to take this guy out. Is there any way you could call him as a witness? Well, we'll see, but it couldn't get any clearer than that. That's a wonderful clip, because what it really says is that my Justice Department, the Biden Justice Department, is going to substitute its judgment for the judgment of the American people. So what we're going to do to make sure that President Trump doesn't assume office again in another year and a half, we're going to use the criminal process. We're going to take him out criminally. You know, it used to be they had Plan B within the FBI to take out Trump. Now I think they're up to plan X. <laughs> and the X plan is to use the criminal justice system to take out a political opponent. You know, uh, you seem prepared, and I'm so grateful, quite frankly, because our entire culture says you can't talk about the election of 2020. But listening to you over the past couple of days, I know President Trump has concerns. You have concerns. I have concerns about the fairness of that election, ballots that were ballot boxes that weren't guarded, uh, ballots that went out to everybody on the rolls when the rolls were out of date. You're prepared to go there. Absolutely. President Trump wanted to get to the truth. He desperately wanted to get to what happened during the 2020 cycle. He did it in the courtroom. He did it in lobbying legislatures. That's all First Amendment. And then at the end, he asked Mr. Pence to pause the voting for 10 days, allow the state legislatures to weigh in, and then they could make a determination to audit or re-audit or recertify. But what he didn't do is you know, send in the tanks, tell Mr. Pence, don't go to the Capitol Hill or do anything that would obstruct the, the due process of government. He was simply petitioning the government the same way, the same way we have those rights with with his complaints and redresses and objections to the election cycle. He's entitled to do that. If we criminalize that speech, I fear what's going to happen in the next election cycle when when perhaps a new administration is going to come in and there's going to be a lot of a lot of talk about identifying Democrats who obstructed the 2024 cycle. Something else they do. They've been criminalizing the attorney client relationship. Attorney General Barr was on CNN last night, said something I think it's uh, quite disturbing and uh, maybe foreboding for you. But take a look, please. He just brought on two new attorneys, Todd Blanche in April, John Laro just now. I mean, given what has happened with other attorneys that he's had, what would you, what's your advice to his attorneys? Do you have any? Um, get a lot of insurance. <laughs> They'll be spending a lot of time themselves at some point, uh, uh, you know, before grand juries or answering questions or as witnesses in investigations. I find that to be a totally bizarre, quite frankly, contemptible comment how from the outrageous. attorney general. What, 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 how, how could that be? How, He's talking about you. How outrageous and how despicable 
to suggest that defending a client should end up with some kind of criminal consequences for a lawyer doing that. Um, Bill Barr should be ashamed of himself for saying that. Now, I know he's speaking to, you know, media that I guess he wants to make warm and fuzzy with, but that was an outrageous and despicable statement. It should never be made by any lawyer, let alone a former attorney general. The lawyers who are representing Mr. Trump on this case are ethical, doing what they're required to do, which is zealously represent a client. And for him to make that suggestion is just um, just terrible. But it really says a lot of what's going on in this country, because what it really says is not only um, are we going to go after you, Mr. Trump, uh, maybe we'll go after your lawyers as well. It is outrageous. It's, uh, I, I, he seems to have lost his soul, but we'll put that aside. Uh, Mr. Lauro, it's, uh, it's great to meet you and uh, good luck. All right. And I think the president is in very good hands, my personal opinion here. I really appreciate that. Thank you. You bet. And we'll be right back. It's true. I am an America first, liberty loving Latino. That's why I know this country is worth fighting for. That's why the Chris Salcedo Show will always tell you the truth. The Chris Salcedo Show for the news you need to know. All right. So last night, right now, I was doing a demonstration with a great big calendar I made. I cut out all the months and used some glue and scotch tape. And anyway, my point was they had all this time to indict Trump, yet they're picking this very narrow window. And guess what? The president put it on his Truth Social, put the whole segment on Truth Social for his uh, tens of millions of followers on Truth Social. Are you on Truth Social? You got to get on Truth Social. All right. Now, Take a look at this. You got to remember, this is so important about January 6th and so often ignored by state run media. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. They hate that he said that. They can't stand it, so they ignore it. You ever see David Muir, the guy with the hair over there on ABC News? So that show is actually somehow the most watched news program in the world. I don't know how they do it, but somehow they do it. But it's also hideously biased. So the moment you just saw, look at how they portrayed it um, in a report they did last night. Ultimately, sending his supporters to the Capitol to obstruct the certification proceeding and exert pressure on the vice president. We're going to walk down to the Capitol and we fight. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. Smith's indictment documenting dozens of Trump's alleged lies. It's just they think everybody's an idiot. They just took out the part about the peaceful and patriotic. And they did it. They spliced it. Now, I want to play it in slow motion. There's a little flash. This is called the white flash. Boom. And that's where they took out the part where Donald Trump said something that was, you know, I mean, totally contrary to the narrative, the fake narrative they want to tell. Now, let's break it up. The two statements they took. Uh, we're going to walk down to the Capitol. Right. That was at 12:15 p.m. And this part, the, the fight like hell part. When did that happen? like an hour later, and they made it sound like it was the same sentence. So dishonest. They owe President Trump an apology. They owe us, the viewers, an apology. 
and I don't think they deserve anyone's attention that broadcast. Something else about the fake news. You know, they actually acknowledge that there was fraud in the 2020 election. There was fraud, but they say it wasn't widespread, but there was fraud. There was no widespread fraud in the 2020 election, right? There are no issues to fix, no widespread fraud. We know to be the fact, but saying it again, no, no evidence of widespread voter fraud. Widespread voter fraud, but there was fraud. You know, the uh, indictment says outcome determinative fraud. Well, it's interesting because if you consider how many votes were cast in this election, something like uh, 150, 160 million, they say, right? 74 million for Trump, 81 million for, uh, for Biden. It only, by some estimates, would have taken maybe 100,000, 200,000 votes to change the outcome of the entire election in certain states. 10,000 votes here, 50,000 votes there could have made a huge difference. That's not necessarily widespread. What's 150,000 out of 160 million? Not many, not widespread, but it would have been outcome determinative potentially. Also, something to consider, there are tapes. The White House is worried. We have this on pretty good authority that they are worried, Joe's staff, that there are tapes of Joe on the phone. You know those conversations that he was having with those oligarchs and Hunter and weird occasions just calling in? Tapes probably exist of some of those conversations and maybe more. You know, in Eastern Europe, Russia, Ukraine, it's fairly customary to tape just about everything. You know when we see the missiles falling in Ukraine, like here? One of the reasons why we have so much of this is because in Ukraine, apparently, when you go for a loaf of bread, you record it. Everybody has a camera here. Some people do it here, but everybody does it over there. And it's very customary to make recordings of business conversations. We all have the potential to do it here with our phones, but they do it like crazy over there. And we already know some people, like President Poroshenko, he already did that to Joe Biden. Yesterday, I met me with the general prosecutor Shokin. Yes. And despite of the fact that we didn't have any corruption charges, we don't have any information about the, him doing something wrong, I especially asked him, no, it was the day before yesterday, I especially asked him to resign. Great. And this is my second step for keeping my promises. I agree. Well, you can tell whoever was taping that was in Poroshenko's office. Joe Biden was just on the phone, and there could be a lot more where that came from. We're also hearing that the, the fake news, they're getting irritated. They're starting to feel like chumps. And the New York Times and the Washington Post are said to be working on major investigative pieces into the Bidens that could be for them big-time game-changers because their own people turning against them. That's serious. All right. Take a look at this. It's very strange. I like my coffee dark. How lame. This is an attempt to be funny. I didn't know what it was talking about. Dark, dark, dark. Is coffee dark? All right, so he's getting at dark Brandon, which I don't even think is a thing, but they're trying to make it a thing. And you know what the thing is. Let's go, Brandon. Remember that, uh, what was he, NASCAR or something? That guy, Brandon, he won the race and everybody started saying that awful thing about Joe Biden, which was kind of awesome at the time. And, uh, well, the, the fake news. The fake news sometimes are even the sports people. Remember? 
Nick, all of our partners. Oh my God, just such an unbelievable moment. Brandon, you also told me you can hear the chants from the, the crowd. Let's go, Brandon. You told me you were going to kind of hang back those two stages and just watch and learn what you learned that helped you there in those closing laps. Oh, my God. It was uh, Wasn't that amazing? We got to make... Dark Brandon never took off, uh, but Let's Go Brandon has kind of faded away. I think we got to bring it back, and I'll be right back. Newsmax shoots it straight. No talking down to me. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. I trust Newsmax. Newsmax. They don't tell me how to think. They let me decide. Real news for real people. All right, so Devin Archer earlier this week went before the House Oversight Committee before closed doors and uh, said a lot of stuff. Today we have the actual uh, transcript, and with the indictment uh, going on, it's been somewhat eclipsed, but it's very, very important. Nobody's been through this thing, I think, as uh, thoroughly as Benjamin Weingarten, senior contributor at The Federalist. Uh, Benjamin, welcome back. How are you? And um, what do you think? You've been through it. Uh, What are your big takeaways? Well, I'm well, and, and thanks for having me. And I think, you know, among the big takeaways here or that are that Devin Archer makes it very clear that Hunter Biden's value add or a key component of it to the various oligarchs and adversarial regimes that he was interfacing with uh, in strategically significant sectors, by the way, was the Biden brand and that the Biden brand was chiefly led by Joe Biden. And what Archer discloses is that he witnessed around 20 occasions where Joe Biden called in in the middle of business meetings that Hunter Biden was having with foreign nationals, foreign investors, foreign business counterparts, that Joe Biden attended multiple dinners that Hunter Biden had with some of those counterparts, including, by the way, the former intel chief of Kazakhstan and prime minister of Kazakhstan and Yelena Batarina who would later contribute $3.5 million to one of Hunter Biden's companies, and another guy who gave him $142,000 for a Fisker sports car, a a Kazakh oligarch. And beyond that, I think one of the biggest takeaways that hasn't really been focused on significantly is that what we see in the transcript is that there's a meeting described in 2015 where Hunter Biden is with senior Burisma executives and Devin Archer, and the executives ask him to make a call, essentially, for help from D.C. to relieve government pressure, that's Ukrainian government pressure, on a whole slew of bases, including, it seems, that the owner of Burisma, Zlochevsky, was facing heat from the prosecutor. Yeah. Hunter Biden leaves Devin Archer, and who does he call, according to Archer's account? Joe Biden. So immediately when the Burisma executives say, we need relief from this pressure, Joe Biden is the first call. And the president's going to tell us that he had nothing to do, completely wash his hands of his son's dealings, which brought in millions of dollars from these regimes purely because of the Biden family name and the knowledge that it could provide influence or access to Joe Biden and that he might make decisions that would grease the skids for this quote unquote business. It's massive. And this points further towards a pending impeachment inquiry. I think it's very, very important. Uh, did you find him to be a little bit evasive at times? I felt like he was being trying to be a little bit cute and hemming and hawing sometimes. And, and I noticed he also said, 
Well, he thought that Shokin, according to what he was told, was actually a good guy, which kind of, you know, disrupts uh, uh, certain viewpoints. But did you find him at all invasive? I, I, I thought there was something cagey about him. He was coy in his answers. And beyond that, at, at several instances, his lawyer cut him off. It's important to note that his lawyer was at uh, Boys, the law firm where Hunter was of counsel. It's a notoriously left-leaning law firm. Yeah. So, you know, you're kind of playing an away game in terms of questioning him as a witness. One wonders if uh, also the scope of the questioning was limited by agreement going into it. So I agree with you. He was, he was too cute by half in some instances. And the elephant in the room always and has always been that Hunter Biden was nothing without Joe Biden. That is what this influence peddling, international influence peddling fortune was built on. And the best you can say about Devin Archer's testimony is that he finally pulled the sheet off of the elephant that's been in the room, which is that Joe Biden was the brand. Joe yeah. Biden was the value add for every single counterpart that Hunter Biden does business yeah. with. And it's worth noting, Devin Archer right. laments that all this business went sideways. So why did they continue throwing millions of dollars at the Bidens? Yeah, that's right. Everything. He was not good at this stuff, uh, Hunter, at, uh, at much of anything. Ben Weingarten, Benjamin Weingarten, we appreciate it. Please check out The Federalist and check him out on Twitter. Great stuff. We'll be right back. Donald Trump in court today. Totally absurd situation. Should not be happening. Um, I do believe the prosecutor, Jack Smith, is in way over his head. And Donald Trump's defense attorney is prepared to uh, take a good hard look at the 2020 election. When Donald Trump raised concerns about the election, he wasn't wrong. He had every right to do that. And, uh, well, he may be afraid to see what's under the hood. Jack Smith, that is, because, well, Bernie Carrick, you're familiar with this uh, election irregularities more than perhaps anybody. You were doing a lot of investigating, and I understand that uh, you turned over some material to Jack Smith. Welcome, Bernie. Thanks, Greg. What did you turn over to him and why? Well, I was subpoenaed many months ago, and uh, initially I turned over a lot of the legal documents that we had collected. Um, during the investigation that was overseen by Mayor Giuliani. And the purpose of that investigation was to provide um, data and intelligence and, and fact-finding for possible litigation and also to brief state and U.S. legislators on fraud, possible fraud, allegations of fraud um, and irregularities in a number of different states. Um, we, I gave those documents, a number of those documents, to Jack Smith's office many months ago. In the last two weeks, we got permission from President Trump to waive the presidential executive privilege and the attorney-client privilege. So I released all of my privilege documents to Jack Smith as well. The one thing I can tell you, Greg, is the, the documents that I've given to the special counsel, and I have to imagine most of the documents that Giuliani has given him um, proves overwhelming evidence of fraud that was being investigated in, uh, in the president and Giuliani and I and the others on the legal team had every right to believe that there was substantial fraud 
um, and irregularities in the in the election and call for internal investigations within those states and call for the Justice Department to act on those allegations, which they did not, which they did not. So you now have the U.S., you know, the, the special counsel prosecuting the president for saying the election was stolen because somebody like Bill Barr says there was no voter fraud. Well, guess what? Bill Barr never collected the information that we had. Bill Barr never met with Giuliani. Bill Barr never looked at any of the affidavits that we had. He didn't see the raw data that we collected from the Secretary of State of Pennsylvania that basically said, for example, 32,000 uh, ballots were mailed out on the same day they were received, or 22,000 ballots were mailed out and received before they were mailed, or 600,000 ballots that went into the system and didn't have one Republican viewer of any of those ballots, which is illegal. Those are pretty substantial irregularities. They were never investigated. So for people to say there was no fraud, that's completely insane. The problem is it wasn't investigated by the states. And you have Republicans that certified state elections that, in my opinion, should have never been certified without ongoing investigations to prove whether that fraud was conclusive or not. I think they're going to regret uh, this indictment big time. And uh, the stuff that you did, important work. I can't wait to see it. Bill Barr never uh, got off his new know what to really look into it. And uh, this is going to be amazing. Bernie Kerrick, thank you for the work you did. Look forward to seeing, uh, seeing you more and seeing the results. And we'll be right back. All the best. So what do you think about this crazy indictment? Go ahead and text us, uh, text Trump, the word Trump, to 39747. And some questions will be posed and um, we'll keep you updated. And it's a great way to stay in touch with Newsmax. All right. So text Trump to 39747. We appreciate it. And have a great weekend. I'm actually taking tomorrow off. But you'll be in good hands. And I'll see you next week.